You're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Hey, Joy, how are you today? Matt, I couldn't be better. And, um, you know, I get excited for every podcast interview, but this one really has me going today. (laughs) I'm curious to hear your thoughts before I spill into my uh, abundance of words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a really cool one because at the end of the day, this 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 podcast was created for a reason. It was hopefully to get students more excited about different career paths. And I think this absolutely hits nail in the head because who as a current high school student might stop and think that they could have a career in helping people smile as they get to eat, eat chocolate. And why is that? We're gonna get into those details today, but my gosh, majority of the world absolutely loves chocolate. And this guest today is gonna help them understand why. So how about you? Well, there's a couple different levels of excitement. One, I think, honestly, for me, is that so often in this podcast, up to this point anyways, um, you've brought a lot of the people to us, or I've known a connection of some sort. And um, what's cool and exciting for me is to have someone from this uh, this business, obviously we're going to get it to it. We're, we're keeping people on the hook, aren't we? Um, <laughs> to reach out to us, <laughs> to want to share what they have to share with us. And so that gets me really excited. Um, And then actually, as I started doing some research, and I think I was telling a couple of the guests before we got going here, um, I don't very often research a product before, you know, I consume it or I use it probably often enough, but it was really cool to be able to to dig into some of the research and uh, what's going on at this company. And so I'm I'm excited to hear more and more than what I've read here in the past, you know, week or so. Um, So I guess without further ado, we have Ashley Duvall with Mars Wrigley. Um, And so Ashley, thank you for being part of our podcast, A Real Piece of Work. Thank you, Joy. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here on the show today. So Ashley, love the fact you're part of this today. Um, Can you just tell us what your title says, Senior Scientist at Mars. What, What does that mean? What do you do? Sure. Well, When people think about our company, Mars Wrigley, probably the first thing that pops up into their mind is our delicious product line, like the Snickers Joy's enjoying over there today. And uh, maybe one of the things that they're less aware of is um, the over four decades of research um, and commitment that the company has already put into ensuring that the cocoa that is required to make these products is sustainably sourced And this continues on through work that we do today through our Cocoa for Generations strategy, which is a $1 billion commitment that started in 2018 to ensure that we have a sustainable supply chain of cocoa for years to come to benefit cocoa farmers as well as the 50 million people in the cocoa supply chain. So my role within the company is as a plant scientist, which is not what you typically go to as your first option for a candy company. But um, I'll explain why that comes into effect. So obviously a lot of our products rely on cocoa and this comes from the cacao tree. By the way, you might hear me referring um, to the cacao tree and cocoa and I'll just distinguish here that we tend to talk about the cacao tree um, with the word cacao, which is the scientific name for it and cocoa being the products that come from it. So cocoa butter, cocoa powder. Perfect. 
So many scientists in our company actually start their work with the cocoa bean and translating that little bean into those delicious products that we all enjoy so much. On my side of things and in our team, we like to think about our work and our focus is going from gene to gene to bean. And I'll explain to you a little bit why that matters. So in spite of being one of the top 10 traded commodities, cacao is actually an incredibly fragile crop. It produces only about 10% of its potential yield. And um, even though it's grown across the world in a zone um, known as the, the cacao belt, you know, 20 degrees within uh, the equator, it's faced with a number of different pests and diseases within that range that then decimate another 40% of that productivity. So these two facts, then coupled with the outlooks of climate change and forecasts in the regions of productivity, lead to extreme variability in weather patterns that can further disrupt the cocoa that we that we enjoy today. So the work that I do with our genetics and breeding team as a part of our larger cocoa science and technology group aims to tackle some of these challenges through the integrated fields of breeding, integrative pest management, and better agronomic practices or farming practices that can contribute to a thriving crop and support the farmers whose livelihood depends on it. My brain is spinning right now because I just, the, the wealth of information you just provided to me is like over the top. Thank you for, for just for your knowledge and for your passion and what you do. I can, feel, I can hear it in your voice, uh, the passion you have for it. Um, Matt, do you, I have a question, but before I get into mine, I'll, I'll let you. I, I guess my reaction to it, that initial download of the day-to-day, the, the initial knee-jerk was, how did you get into that? Yes, like, how did you even yeah. get to where you're at? How did you get in that seat? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. It was um, a kind of a meandering path, but always with a focus on plant sciences. I, I knew from a young age that I was passionate about plants and I wanted to study botany, but I didn't really know what that meant or what the career options would be for me in that field. And if you told me as a, a 16-year-old, let alone a six-year-old, that I could you know, work on my two passions, chocolate and plants together, I think my <laughs> head would have exploded. But um, you know, I, I went about studying plants through um, the kind of conventional ways. I went, um, did my undergraduate degree, looking at botany and sustainable uh, resources, always kind of working in tree-related fields. And then I, I took time off um, after my undergraduate. I worked for a little while, got to know different fields like urban forestry, went back for a master's to look at conservation and resource management and ethnobotany and became really interested in the relationship between people and plants and how plants shape our culture, but then conversely, how people shape plants through processes like domestication. That's when I really fell in love with um, this concept of breeding and that we can continue and do continue to shape the trajectories of our food crops, not only um, as, as something that, that we do, but it's really something that we have to do to keep up with the pace of the change that our crops are experiencing in the world today. And so, again, I had kind of a work for a while and then a career change. I reached out to the team at Mars Wrigley, who was already doing really innovative research. I, had heard that they had recently sequenced the cacao genome and released it to the community to increase research efforts and, and to visibility around the orphan crop and started my PhD in cacao. So kind of another career shift to focus on that. And I haven't looked back since. From now on, whenever I eat the Snickers bar, I'm just gonna thank you for being passionate about what you're doing <laughs> and for learning for what you did and knowing that that's the, the, the route you wanted to take, wow. I usually am not dumbfounded for questions. I think I have so many, I can't even go to the next right now. 
So well, mentors, people that go. inspired yeah, yeah. you. Was there someone that was there someone that led you down the road of um, of knowing that you wanted to do this, or gave you kind of the options, if you will? I've had. I've been fortunate to have a lot of great mentors throughout my career, and I think each of them brought me a different perspective. And um, for young people today that are looking into different careers, I think finding those opportunities to work with a mentor and really learn from people that have lived and experienced the field is is so essential. So I would have to say definitely um, my advisors at every step of the journey, um, Dr. Pineda Vasquez, Dr. Shaparo, and the passion and the knowledge that they shared with me. Um, and then uh, working at Mars with the talented team of motivated, passionate scientists there was really um, so different from any workplace environment that I had experienced. Um, so I think coupling, yeah, the opportunities for mentorship and just kind of following those leads was, um, was really critical in, in the development of my career path. So, so Ashley, um, you, you know our target audience tends to be high school students, and we've actually got a junior achievement student by the name of Ben Berman, who had, was kind enough to share a question with us that I was hoping to share with you, hoping you get answers so Ben can uh, learn a little bit more about your passion for what Hello. you do. So here we go. That's Ben Berman. Uh, he's got a question here for you. My name is Ben Berman. I'm an eighth grader at Pleasant Valley Junior High. <laughs> And my question for you is what first intrigued you about the breeding and genetics of cocoa? Hi, Ben. Great question. Happy to answer that one for you. I, I can remember looking at a, looking at a figure in, in this um, book I was reading one day, and it was a map of the world, and it showed um, regions highlighted. So the, the areas of genetic diversity of cacao you know, highlighted in the Amazon and South America, the regions where cacao is in um, different conservation programs, and then the regions where cacao is consumed and processed and enjoyed. And this entire map was highlighted. And you could see that we have so many global interdependencies around this one really fragile crop. Hmm. That happened around the same time that this, this tool, the genome was released, which meant that we had an opportunity to really um, accelerate our understanding of cacao and make more progress in, in one lifetime than you know the previous generations had been able to achieve. And so the reason that I, I said I kind of went back to school at that point to get my PhD in genetics was so that I could understand these tools and how we can accelerate the process of helping a fragile crop like cacao that so much of the world loves and depends on. I mean, what's, what's less controversial than chocolate? We can all get behind that and um, figure out how to future-proof it by understanding it, um, how it responds to different situations and make predictions about, about the future. I love that answer. I, I really do, and I'm sure Ben will love it too. I, pivoting just a little bit, I, I, what's a day in the life? I mean, are, are you going to an office? What, what are you wearing to work? What, like, uh, what's the environment of the office if you are going to one? What, what, what's, what's a day look like for Ashley? I love that question so much because I think the thing I, I love and enjoy the most about my job is just how varied and diverse the day-to-day -day activities are. However, the common theme that kind of ties together all of these different activities that we pursue is this ultimate goal that our team is working every day to produce and distribute material to farmers that's going to be more climate resilient, more productive, and ensure that 
They can have thriving uh, livelihoods and futures. So the activities that we do to kind of set that in motion are, um, many of them are based in our plant sciences hub here in Davis, where I'm calling in from today. We maintain about 30,000 square feet of cacao greenhouses here on the UC Davis campus, which is a pretty incredible asset. We're able to study cacao, an Amazonian crop, right here in the Central Valley of California. Wow. Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> and uh, this collection is a, a huge asset to our research. It literally contains plants that represent about 80% of the genetic diversity found in the crop. And hmm. some of the trees in this collection came from expeditions back in the 1930s and 40s in regions that have since been developed or um, are no longer accessible or available. So literally collections like these are the way that we can conserve and maintain genetic diversity that's going to be so essential for breeding and future-proofing the crop. So in addition to our greenhouses, we have a molecular biology lab as well as um, special lab facilities where we're able to expose the plant to different pests and diseases that it might encounter, um, but in a very safe and controlled way. And so by having access to all of these different um, capabilities here, we kind of function as a living laboratory um, or a pilot plant for generating um, uh, data and information about how we can we can use the genetic diversity in this crop to um, prepare it for different environments and to bring the right planting materials to the right places. So on a day-to-day -day basis, my work really revolves around the planning and execution of experiments, both in the greenhouse as well as in collaboration with, with our field sites. I should mention at this time that in addition to our facilities here in Davis, we are lucky enough to um, have fantastic teams in um, origin countries like Indonesia and Brazil and Ecuador, where we can actually deploy larger field trials. Um, nothing occurs in a, in a bubble. And so we need to take our best guesses from the greenhouse research and immediately try to deploy it in the field, make sure that our, um, our insights that we generate hold up when they're kind of put to the stress test in an actual growing environment. And so, from one day to the next, it might be setting up an experiment, actually making pollinations between two plants that have interesting traits and growing out seedlings, very hands-on work. Um, collecting data, uh, you, if you walk into some of our <laughs> greenhouse rooms, it's a little bit like being inside of a, a clinic um, or, or watching somebody go through a stress test. We've got devices that are designed to strap onto the plant and non-destructively assess the physiology of that plant and how it's responding to the conditions that we create. So for instance, in the context of drought stress studies, we can do a very controlled dry down experiment, all the while measuring the kind of equivalent of the plant's pulse or heartbeat or hydration levels. And then we can use the data that we collect from, um, from that research and compare it to the genetic data that would be kind of similar to what you would get if you did a cheek swab and submitted it to ancestry.com. There's so much more information in our DNA than what we can see with the naked eye. And so by using those genetic tools together with this really high quality um, level of what we call phenotypic data, so the measurement of these, these kind of responses in real time, we're able to really drive the research forward. 
So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about making a career shift because I'm like the facility, all of it sounds so good. So I have two questions. <laughs> the first one, the first one is if, if I'm listening, if I'm a high school student listening and I just right now, I'm not sure that I want to be a senior scientist per se, but I'm interested in possibly working for Mars and Wrigley. What other jobs are there? Uh, what are some maybe cool opportunities to be part of the company without maybe necessarily going the route of senior scientist? And then the other one that I know they're going to want to know and myself, I would like to know as well, like how much free chocolate do you get? <laughs> yeah, def definitely some perks of I mean, the job. Well, we're very passionate about our products as well, so we uh, we try to keep them under locked cabinets so that we still have some to give to to guests when they come through. Um, uh, yeah, so for for people that are interested in going into science, the great thing about a company that's as as large and diversified as Mars Wrigley is there's so many different opportunities to do science under the auspices of our different programs, whether it's actually in, in kind of food and sensory or sustainability or in the plant sciences realm, like where I sit. Um, we have a, a, a very large and talented global research and development team and at the entry level, there's many opportunities as individual contributors to sign on for a summer internship or a, you know participating in a certain project. We have a lot of um, young talent that join the company, you know, following their um, undergraduate degrees or or even doing an internship sometimes to learn different skills. And uh, then there's opportunity, you know, within the company and the different areas that uh, we work in to find out. Well, you know, try try this lab and uh, maybe you learn that you're passionate um, about something else and having the opportunity to network within the company and explore, I think is, is really one of the assets of, of such a, um, such a kind of diversified company. So if I'm just getting my degree and I'm about to step out and try to figure out a career path, um, can I make a little money doing this as a scientist with you guys? Like, Talk to me a little bit. Can I make a little money in this world? And is there a, is there a, a, making you comfortable on a regular basis so that I can pay the bills and maybe have a little fun now and then? Absolutely. I think you need to be able to um, to do what you love for a living. If you're not having fun while supporting yourself, then that's, that's just a missed opportunity. And in science, I think there is a whole range of earning potentials um, for scientists in industry. These can vary a lot depending on your educational experience, as well as the amount of time that you might spend in the company or within a position. And a lot of scientists will choose to kind of work their way through the ranks, maybe beginning um, at an entry level position. And, and you would be uh, really amazed to know how many of our senior leadership team have been with the company for decades and worked their way from a kind of temp or tech entry-level position all the way to vice president or um, kind of te managing teams of scientists. And so I think having those opportunities create a whole range of um, opportunities for um, responsibilities and compensation at different rates. Increasingly, sal salary transparency is becoming more mainstream as well. In places like California, it's even the law. So for young people, I think a good way to get a feel for the different demands as well as um, associated compensation and benefit levels is start by checking a handful of positions and postings on LinkedIn. Most companies will post salary ranges and uh, you can get a better idea of what you might expect if you were selected for a particular position. 
Joy, I'm kind of curious, any burning questions you have before we uh, start to get to the point where we do our uh, typical wrap-up question? I guess my only other question was kind of how big is your team? Uh, so how many other people do what you do? And how you, I don't know, because I'm curious whether you're working more by yourself or if they're more team-based type projects that, you, that you're working. Yeah, that's a, a great question. So within the company, we're actually a very small and specialized team. We all wear a lot of hats. I would say there's probably about um, 18 um, people in our immediate team uh, here in the Davis office. And that is a range of associates, contractors, as well as graduate students um, who we, we take on as well. And um, But then it kind of snowballs out from there. So. Uh, we have our genetics and breeding team and work closely with um, the other functions of integrative pest management and agronomy. And uh, our our teams for all of these sit not only in Davis, but in these um, field research sites in the different origins as well. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, I might be working in the office or in the greenhouses with um, between five or a dozen other individuals. But then on a weekly basis, I'll have touch points with colleagues from all around the world, you know, dozens of them. And then our monthly meetings, there's hundreds of people on our Cocoa Science and Technology calls or R&D, so. So, but Ashley, for maybe a student that isn't quite aware of how large Mars Wrigley is, how many, as an organization, roughly how many across all the different job titles, can you give us roughly what the number of employees are? Mars Wrigley is is one of the segments within Mars Inc. And I believe that the company overall has over a hundred thousand employees all around the world. So it's it's a a very large um, company. That's that's that. impressive. Big number, big number. So Joy, um, what do you think? Anything else burning with you that you uh, want to get out there before we uh, go to one of our typical wrap ups? I say let's wrap her up so I can eat the rest of the Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ashley, it absolutely has been a pleasure talking with you here, but we always like to ask a question of our guests. If if you can turn the clock back a bit and look at 16-year-old Ashley, is there anything you would say to Ashley to stop doing, keep doing, or start doing to increase your chances of, you know, post-high school success and happiness in your career path? I think I would I would tell her to just keep doing what you love. If you can eventually turn your passion into a career, then you'll spend every day of your life happy and learning and thriving. Careers meander often, not every role is going to fit, but all of them are, are learning opportunities and kind of fit into the bigger picture. So don't sweat the small stuff, have confidence that you're going in the right direction if you're enjoying what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Love it. Well, Ashley, um, you've really been a real piece of work here today. I'm sure our <laughs> podcast guests will love hearing what they heard today and hopefully open their eyes as, again, some different ways they can leverage science and bring it into a career path for something they absolutely love. So thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Ashley. Thank you all. I'm glad I could give you something else to chew on today. <laughs> well, Matt, I must say this is a, uh, a very sweet episode <laughs> since we're on to the puns <laughs> curious what your uh your afterthoughts or your the big things that jumped out at you from this one uh there, as always there there's the myriad of things that we take from these the thing that i think is interesting you and i are sitting in the corn belt and ashley referenced the cacao belt 
and the fragility of of the markets of where these products are actually produced. I remember sitting through a leadership program where we were talking about topsoil and how that impacts, in our case, corn production and the importance of it. It's like black gold. And Ashley and her team doing what they're doing, it, it, yeah, put smiles on her face to eat chocolate. But the careers and the lives that are impacted by the ability to continue to produce it, that's a big picture world issue. And so, I, I again, I just think it's fascinating that there's all these different career paths and um, that knowledge and the impact that Ashley and her team have on the world because of, of chocolate production. You, we can sit here and chuckle a little bit about it, but it's real. And so I thought it was pretty cool to hear that and see a slightly different ag spin than what we are used to in this Corn Belt. How about you? Um, I did that came across a couple of times as Ashley was speaking as well. Um, you know, talking about all the the hybrids and you know, we have all all those signs here except just referring to corn versus chocolate. Um, I go back just to um turning your passion into a career. You know, I don't think kids think I hope that when they're listening to all of these, whether it's Ashley or any of these other ones, that truly you have the option right now as you're listening to this because i didn't have this right i didn't have these podcasts i didn't have someone explaining to me that i had all these options that i had to just listen to my passions i had to figure out what those were and i could turn that into a career so i think i loved ashley i loved hearing her talk um because you could tell how much the knowledge behind it yes absolutely but just the passion behind it as well um and honestly that her passion brings us all joy and happiness right i mean how awesome to, to know that what you're doing daily is truly impacting the world in a different way. Everyone's jobs do it differently. Just so happens that hers is in this really awesome, sweet chocolatey way, right? Um, so yeah, I, um, and always just don't sweat the small stuff. We hear that all, up all over the time um, yeah. and encouraging the kiddos, but I think those that are listening in again, it's don't sweat the small stuff and think about what those passions are. Those can be your career. You can make a lifelong journey out of it. So listen to it, listen to the passions. Well, Joy, as always, looking forward to the next one with you. Thanks, Matt.